Welcome to this episode of the Security Clearance Careers Podcast, ClearCast, your source for security clearance, intelligence community, espionage, national security, and defense contracting updates in our exclusive interviews with intelligence community and government leaders. Hello, hello, and thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Security Clearance Careers Podcast. I'm Katie Keller, Content Marketing Manager with ClearanceJobs.com, and today we're going to be discussing helping veterans fight a new battle on a different battlefield. And so drowning in the sea of goodwill while navigating the military transition is definitely a possibility as service members are going through the transition, and especially online, having all of these resources. Today, I'm joined by Misty Moreno, who has dedicated herself to helping folks through the transition after serving her country herself. So she served in the Air Force for 20 years and five months as an HR professional and achieved the rank of Senior Master Sergeant. So she's also married to retired Master Sergeant Johnny Moreno, and they have a son. Both retired in 2020, which was an incredible year. And while her husband is a stay-at-home father and husband, Moreno works full-time and she's the author of Get Your Shit Together and creates the HR curriculum for Vets 2 PM. So today we're going to walk through her military transition and then kind of what's going on currently in the DOD hiring process and any HR hot topics that service members should be aware of. So Misty, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Katie. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So I thought we could start with your transition. Walk us through that and any obstacles or lessons learned that you'd note from your own journey. Yes. So my husband and I both retired September 1st, 2020. And so one year prior, we applied for retirement and that was just when COVID was starting to come into the U.S. and nothing was really too too bad yet, but we both decided to retire. Our last day in uniform was February 2020, and so that was really at the height of the pandemic in the U.S., and so we did everything virtual. A lot of our, our out-processing was done online, especially our VA claim. That was all done online. We did go to the doctors, but everything was just different compared to what we had planned for 20 years. However, it was probably one of the most smooth and successful military appointments or military checklists that I ever really adhere to. And so, yeah, we retired in September of 2020, and I've been working at Continental Tire in Sumter, South Carolina ever since. Well, it's good to hear that it was a smoother transition, especially since there probably isn't a playbook on the military transition through a pandemic. So I'm glad to hear that it went as well as it could. And so do you think that supporting the HR and the military helped you in any way since that's kind of along the lines of the hiring process? Do you think that helped? Absolutely. So I will tell you that I am a checklist person. So anyone that who truly knows me understands that I follow the rules and I adhere to all of the regulations and the laws. And that is sort of kind of my calling card. And so that is what I'm known for. And so I will tell you my decision to retire was a rash decision. So my husband was always going to retire in September of 2020. And the plan was that I was going to help him get through the retirement and the transition. And we were going to see how it went, you know, as far as what things came up medically and what things came up financially. But then I made a rash decision after kind of getting to my wits end with certain things. And I told my husband, hey, we're both going to retire. So we're going to figure this thing out. And so we decided to both retire. And with that being said, I told him, I said, I know that there's so many resources out there. I know that there's tons of organizations that want to help 
checklist, but you know, I think we should follow the one checklist that the Air Force gives us. And then with our VA claim, we should just do what our VA rep advises us to do. And so that's exactly what we did. We applied for retirement one year out. And so from one year out, we got our checklist and we knew exactly what was expected from us. And we did everything according to the checklist. We asked questions along the way. And anytime I felt like maybe I wasn't being heard or maybe we weren't being considered, especially in the virtual world, we just asked questions and we got answers. And so, yeah, everyone was trying to figure out this virtual and online space. But honestly, the checklist from the military, it really helped us navigate our transition. So I definitely believe that being HR in the military helped us because I knew where to go. I knew what they were asking and I could read the language. But most importantly, I understood how checklists got created and we know what we're doing now. We've we've had a lot of failures when I say we, the military, the DOD, we've had a lot of failures in taking care of, you know, military veterans. And so I do believe that we know what we're doing. Is it perfect? Absolutely not. But those checklists 100% are the reason why my husband and I We're allowed to logistically transition. I say logistically, like get all of our medical records good to go, figure out our pay, whatever it may be. We were able to have a smooth and successful logistical transition because of my HR experience and utilizing the checklist that the military gave us. Sure. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that checklist. And so, like I said in my intro, Drowning in the Sea of Goodwill, there are so many resources out there. And I've heard from so many veterans that you need to find the resources that work for you. And so having a checklist or hearing that a checklist from the Air Force worked best for you and your partner in navigating the transition. That's that's so great to hear. And so I think this is the perfect time. You do have some transition tips, I think, that would be good to know in this section here. Yeah, absolutely. So it's so, <laughs> it is so crazy how many organizations and how much help that we have out there now. It's a relief, but at times it can be super overwhelming. And so I had the blessing of being able to watch a lot of my peers in a lot lot of my mentors retire prior to me. And so I was able to follow them on Facebook and just watch the ins and outs of their transitions and their struggles. So one of my first like foundational tips is follow people and connect with people that you know, not with strangers, but that you know that you have a relationship with, that you feel super comfortable to ask questions about their transition. So I followed Senior Master Sergeant Retire Gary DeVault, and I followed a peer of mine. And just to keep her name private, I won't say, but Gary DeVault, in my opinion, had like the epitome of what a smooth and successful transition is. And so he outlined all of that on Facebook. And then one of my peers, unfortunately, I feel like she had the transition that most veterans have. And the difference is Gary accepted, hey, I'm leaving the military for a reason. Either, you know, he he chose to leave, but people separate or they retire for a reason. And a lot of military members get amnesia as far as why they want to separate or retire. Unless the military tells you that you have to go, for the most part, we're choosing to leave the service. And so Gary had such a different transition because he accepted that he was leaving that part of his life and then he wanted to move on versus my peer who maybe maybe pressed the retirement retirement button for the wrong reasons and then really had a lot to say like oh this is this wouldn't happen in the military or i miss the military and just never truly accepted the next phase of her life and so that's my first 
first tip is accept what you're doing. So when you decide to separate and retire, you need to accept the fact that you are separating or retiring. And so that part of your life is now in the past and you need to focus on the future. The second tip is just to take this thing, this, this transition journey one year at a time, because I always like to say, you're transitioning from the military, but you're actually transforming. And so transitioning, that's the logistical part, but the transformation part is the mental aspect of this transition. So take things one year at a time, because quite frankly, you have no idea what this is going to look like in one year. And then the third tip is to define what success looks and feels like for that year. Truly think about what you want to achieve and what you want to accomplish in that year. For me, it was literally just to land a job. It was just to be able to bring in money so my husband could stay home. I honestly didn't care about what type of job or, you know, I knew what kind of money I needed to make, but my overall goal for that one year was to land a job. The fourth tip is to truly figure out how do you want your work life to look like after the military? What do you want it to look and feel like? So some questions to ask yourself would be, do I want to work shift? Do I want to be on call? Do I want to be an hourly employee? Do I want to be a salary employee? Do I want to travel? There's so many different questions that we need to ask ourselves. And don't forget to involve your family as well, but just keep it to one year. So for the next year, what do I want my work life to look like? And then based on that, you need to define your bare minimum salary. A lot of military members will separate and transition and say, I want work-life balance and I never want to work overtime and I don't want to travel, so on and so forth. And then they're like, yeah, I want hundred K for my salary. Well, in the civilian world, your salary is directly related to how much and how hard you work and what your roles and what your responsibilities are. So to find your bare minimum salary for that year, that's based on what your work life looks and feels like. And then lastly, I always say, narrow down your location. This is, this is essential for you for the job search. One, your ultimate goal is to be sourced by a recruiter, right? You wanna be sourced. You want to be found by the recruiters and that's done via location. So narrow down where you want to work for that year, whether it be like a region or a state or a town, but this will help recruiters source you. So ultimately, you know, to wrap that up, you wanna accept your next step, right? So, okay, I'm separating or I'm retiring from the military. So that part of my life is in the past and now I'm gonna look towards the future. You want to take this one year at a time. You want to define what success looks and feels like. You also want to define what you want your work life to feel like. Do you want to be on shift? Do you want to travel? Then define your bare minimum salary. And last but not least, narrow down your location. Well, that that's certainly a playbook if I've ever heard one. And those are really important questions to be answered by the service member. And I love how you said involve your family. I mean, in narrowing down the location, you you may be used to moving a lot, but that is something that is important, you know, in the recruiting and hiring side of the house. And before we move on to current hiring processes and maybe some hot HR topics, you mentioned a few mentors in terms of following and connecting with people online and social media. So are there any other mentors that you'd like to note here? Honestly, <laughs> I really don't have many people that 
it's not that I don't have people that I look up to, but I really try. And I'm just going to be honest, Katie, I suffer from the comparison theory a lot. And that is something that I know about myself. And so when I started on my transition journey, I decided to talk to Gary DeVault because he's who I trusted. I also talked to one of my favorite supervisors in the whole world, Michael Lindley. He also retired. He retired as a senior master sergeant as well, same as me. So, and, and in HR. So I really narrowed down who I spoke to and who I got advice from, from those two people. And then as far as now, I really just try to connect with those that we're like-minded that accept that I like to curse and that I'm a little polarizing and different. And then I have connected with Vets to PM. They're an organization that I work with. And Jeremy, who is like the, you know, kind of like the backbone of Vets to PM, him and I talk a lot and he really keeps me grounded as far as what to expect out of the civilian sector. And then I talk to, you know, Kathy a lot, who's our resume and interview guru. And so those are the people that I really connect with. And because I trust them and I have relationships with, I just try to stay with the people that I know that don't make me feel less than. And they they answer any of any questions that I have that really just help me with everyday life along with my transition. Oh, that that's very well said. And we will get to get your shit together so we can talk a little <laughs> bit about where that title comes from. So current hiring processes, uh, recruiters ghosting candidates is always a hot topic through the hiring process. So any ways that candidates could prevent this on the recruiter side or anything you'd like to share to recruiters on better engaging veteran talent, including not ghosting them? <laughs> So I'll first talk to the veterans. You know, I've been an HR professional in the military for 20 years, and I've been in the HR world in the civilian sector for two years. And I will tell you that it's 100% different. So what you think you know about the civilian sector, unless you've actually worked in HR in the civilian sector, you don't know. And so I think it's important for us to extend grace and give people the benefit of the doubt, including recruiters. And so if we want people to extend grace and give us the benefit of the doubt in everything and anything that we do, we also need to do the same for HR professionals and recruiters. So what can you do? So you can only do what's in your control. So let me tell you what's within your control. Before you even leave the military, ensure that you are getting some sort of education that is documented by a certification or degree. And I'll tell you, for those of us who are retiring that are in the higher ranks of the military, you will need a degree in order to achieve the salary that you desire. Now, yes, there's a lot of talk out there about hiring for skill and character and or whatever it may be. Why do we need degrees? Hey, there's employment laws out there. There's affirmative action laws that we have to obey. And there's a lot of things that we need to you know, keep in check in order to ensure that we are adhering to fair and consistent hiring practices. So requiring degrees and requiring certifications and requiring a certain amount of experience, that is one way the HR world helps with fair and consistent hiring practices. So stop fighting that. What you can do within your control is to achieve the degree, get the certification. I always like to say, get your degree and then get a certification. Your degree is more general. Your certification is more specific. And as far as from a recruiter, they're going to ask for basic requirements and then preferred requirements. Basic will be the degree. Preferred will be a certification. So that's the first thing that you can control. The second thing you can control is your resume. So yes, you can pay for someone to write your resume. And I will tell you that Vets to PM wrote my resume. So I went through a certification program with them. And one of the perks of that 
program was they wrote me a professional two-page resume. Kathy wrote me a great resume. It's a it's a my basic resume that I utilize in order to tailor my resume for other things. But one thing that you can do with your resume is first and foremost, you need to make the first part of that resume pop. So think from this perspective, a recruiter has 10 seconds or less to decide if you should even be moved to the queue. She's looking in preview or he is looking in preview mode when it comes to the applicant tracking system. So make the first part of that resume pop. Tell me exactly who you are, what you do. I don't want to see accomplished or distinguished, whatever. No, tell me what it is. I am an HR professional with 20 years of project management experience who specializes in lean manufacturing. Boom. You know exactly who I am and what I do. And then the next couple of lines, I'm going to share with you some of my accomplishments. So make the first part of your resume pop. And whatever the preferred requirements are, for example, if the preferred requirements are bilingual and master's degree, put that up there right in the front. Don't worry about format, basic format. We don't need pictures. We don't need designs, basic format. I will tell you right now, your recruiter is not looking at your font or your picture or whatever. We're just trying to see if you meet the basic and preferred requirements. Another thing that you can control is who you connect with. So yes, it's awesome to connect with the military community, but you also want to connect with businesses that you, you know, could see yourself working at. You want to connect with people that work at those businesses and companies, and then you want to connect with people that are doing what you're doing. So if you connect with only the military community, let's be honest, what can they actually provide you? Sure, tips and tools, but you want to connect with the people that you can learn from. Now, this connections are not just to get things, but you know, you can get into a connection relationship with people where you can learn the ins and outs and you never know those relationships may help you with a, you know, a job posting that's come up and can get you a referral. So those are the things that you can control from like the job seeker perspective. As far as the recruiter, Katie, let me just tell you about recruiters. I speak for the recruiters that are out there doing their thing. I speak for the recruiters that show up every single day and they are just trying their best to keep up with all of their open job postings. I speak for the recruiter that from cradle to grave is really trying to take care of not only their applicants, not only the people that are in the queue, but also their hiring managers and everybody else that needs something from them. I speak for the recruiters that are truly there for the applicants and for the business. I don't speak for the recruiters that just treat it as some sort of job and you know they just don't care about how the applicant feels, okay? Because there are definitely those recruiters, but the recruiters that are, are truly showing up every single day and trying to figure out how they can do everything, here is where they come from. Recruiting is probably, I would say 60% of their job. If they're, if they're a dedicated recruiter, they most likely lead an office that has other recruiters and they have to do other things for the HR office, right? Or HR organization. And so your recruiters, they probably have anywhere from 10 to, I mean, I can tell you the recruiters here have anywhere from 10 to like 200 open requisitions, right? And so there's only one to two recruiters that are actually managing those requisitions. And so we're managing them from cradle to grave. And so we would love to be able to open every single application, look at every single resume from top to bottom, call you, talk to you, give you, you know, a personalized rejection email or a personalized, you know, acceptance email. We would love to do all that, but we just can't. There's not enough hours in the day. So are most recruiters ghosting you? 
Absolutely not. In fact, they're just trying to hang on and just trying to do what they can. Now, there are definitely recruiters out there that just don't care. That's just like anyone, right? Any job. But most recruiters are trying to do their very best. I did want to give you some insight, Katie, into the community, some insight on what we call like canned emails or canned rejection notifications or whatever. I hate to say it, but that is a that's a way to protect the organization. Maybe maybe prevent or eliminate some like litigations due to unfair or inconsistent hiring practices. We would love to give everyone personal feedback, but quite frankly, it's bit us in the butt. And so we can't. So that's why we have to do the canned responses. I hate that word, but, you know, just the automatic responses. It's not because we don't care about you. It's not because we don't want to give you feedback. It's unfortunate that some people have, you know, sued us over our feedback. And so now we have to just be cautious. Thanks for hitting us with that knowledge, because that is something that any candidate just might not be aware of if they don't work in and around the HR world. And so that's certainly a hot topic when it comes to the hiring process. But with your work in the HR realm and supporting vets to PM, anything else under HR employment laws that veterans should understand as they navigate through the transition and start throwing out applications and networking? Yeah, so I always say you don't know what you don't know. And so don't assume that you know. And because to me, it's like every veteran needs to control what they can control. They also need to realize that this is not going to like be as smooth as you would like. There's a lot of people applying. There's a lot of jobs out there. And there's a lot of things that the recruiters and the HR organization is trying to accomplish. And so it's not that you're not a priority, but you're in the mix of all the priorities. Ensure that your resume is the best that it can and make sure the the first part of that resume, the top of that resume speaks volumes to who you are. Get really good at interviewing. Know the behavioral interview process. Know the acronym STAR and CAR. And so I'll just let your audience Google those. STAR and CAR are the acronyms to use when you answer interview questions. And then just realize that it's, I see tons and tons of veterans and even tons of veterans that say they're in the HR community, dog recruiters and dog HR on LinkedIn. And quite frankly, they've never worked civilian HR. One thing in general is that civilians didn't sleep while we served in the military. Civilians are out there getting their education, traveling every two to five years for another job in their organization. They're almost just like us. Maybe the only difference is they don't sign a contract to essentially die for their country, but they are missing dinners at home. They're missing kids events. They're traveling all the time. They have to move quite often, especially as you get higher in ranks, so to speak, or higher in salary grade. There's only so many HR directors in one organization, you know, so civilians are very similar to us. So I always say extend grace, give people the benefit of the doubt, ask for feedback. And if you don't receive it, just move on, just move on, because that's the only thing in your control is what you do and then how you process it. I I strongly urge people do not take it personal. And don't aim for perfection. Don't let perfection be the enemy of good. Just do the best that you can with the information that you have right now at your fingertips. And then when you have more information, just do better. Well said. And I think that's an excellent theme for both candidates and recruiters as we move into 2023 is extend grace and don't take it personally and move on. That's great. And so let's talk about get your shit together. 
What is all of that about? I haven't read it, but I'm dying to know. So Get Your Shit Together is a 30-day journal, and then it's also a 30-day advice book. And so I ask you questions, 30 days worth of questions, to really help you figure out what kind of shit that you need to actually get together. And so it stemmed from, to be totally honest, in 2013, I hit a super low rock bottom where I contemplated whether or not I wanted to wake up tomorrow. And it was all because of a really piss poor evaluation from a boss. And it threw me for a loop that I allowed an evaluation, a yearly evaluation, make me contemplate whether or not I wanted to be on this great earth. And so I got the help that I needed. I asked for help and I went to counseling and I've been going to counseling for 10 years ever since with the same counselor. So it's like the longest relationship that I've ever had besides my (laughs) husband. And throughout the, the 10 years, she's asked me questions to really help me get my shit together. And one thing that I've realized throughout this 10 year journey is that you literally fail and succeed every single day. And My definition of success is whether or not I want to wake up tomorrow. So if something makes me contemplate whether or not I want to wake up tomorrow, then I leave whatever is making me contemplate that, or I maybe break up with the person or whatever it may be, you know, I'm no no longer with that person in a relationship or unfortunately I've had to do that with some family members. So my definition of success is whether or not I want to wake up tomorrow. So it's all based on how I mentally feel my mental health. I make decisions based on my mental health. And so when it came to counseling, she told me, she said, every single day that you wake up, you have an opportunity to get your shit together and you have to define what success means to you. And you have to define what work-life balance means to you. And you have to define what financial freedom and all these things. And so uh, with her permission, I made a journal and a book based on the things that she helped me with in order to get my shit together. And I wanted to share that with other people. And so It's not a bestseller, you know, uh, some people have it, some people don't, but I'm super proud of it because, you know, it's, it's simple. It's really hard being a human nowadays. And I do think that us humans overcomplicate this. And so that's the same, same advice I give veterans, like take everything one year at a time. That's what I do. I just live one year at a time. I kind of pretend that this year may be the last year on this great earth. And so I just want to accomplish anything and everything and and see my son live his best life. And so I do all that a year at a time. And that's what the book helps you do. It helps you define certain things so you can live your best year yet. That, that's so wonderful. And girl, I'm living one day at a time. So good for you living <laughs> a year at a time. My goodness. But this is Misty Moreno, everyone. Misty, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. I do have one last question for you. I ask everyone who served this. Do you have a favorite place that you were stationed and why? Oh, I would say my favorite place was Cheyenne, Wyoming. I was only there for a year and I was there when when I was single and new to the the military. So it was my favorite because I didn't have any sort of life responsibilities and I went clubbing on Wednesdays and Thursdays and showed up to work drunk on Fridays like probably every veteran you know, has a story about, and I went snowboarding and skiing and hiking. And I just did so much with my friends. I had a really good, like core group of friends. And also that was the year that 9-11 happened. And it really reiterated why, why I joined the military. And I just have a great memory of that time frame. It was only for a year because I actually got married and then moved to Sumter, South Carolina. But 
best time mainly because I was just free and just did whatever I wanted to do and none of my choices impacted my my family. <laughs> sure. Well, Misty, thank you so much for being real with us. For everyone listening, for more information on transitioning from the military, you can visit news.clearancejobs.com. 